0: we undervalue the things that come easily
1: to us and overvalue the
0: things that are hard for us.
1: Hi, I'm Melanie Barr. Welcome to the She Built It Experience with Melanie. You're here because you want to experience the life and business that you crave. Join me as I talk to women who have successfully built it, a career and business that they love. We dive into the topic of how they built it and talk about everything from having the courage to make career leaps to the details of how to lead effectively create successful teams, implement strategies for growth, and infuse tech innovation. Magic happens when we focus on the part of ourselves and our business that brings us joy. So let's dive in. Dorothy Hallava is the founder of Needleseye Media, a digital advertising agency for data-driven businesses looking to scale as well as co-founder and CEO of The Gig, a digital media company that helps freelancers acquire and profit from high-income online skills. In 2017, Dorothy began freelancing and quickly fell in love with the freedom, flexibility, and uncapped income it provided. After generating more than $1 million in freelance fees, she pivoted that experience into a results-driven paid traffic agency that spends millions of dollars each year on behalf of their clients. Thank you for joining us, Dorothy. You're the founder of Needles Eye Media. Tell us about it and what led you to come up with the idea to launch your business?
0: Absolutely. Similar to a lot of agency owners, it's frequently an accidental business. And that was definitely the case for me. We are a paid traffic agency. So we help our clients, primarily digital product sellers, to scale their customer acquisition. We're really great at taking people who they're stuck in the launch cycle and they're looking to create an evergreen selling system, or maybe they're already selling evergreen, but hitting that ceiling to scale. What we really love is taking those clients or maybe successfully spending 10, 20, 30,000 a month and scaling them up to half a million a month or more. I started freelancing on my own, helping people with their Facebook ads. And that eventually morphed into starting to bring on a team and eventually turning into the agency that it is today.
1: And that's so smart because so often as entrepreneurs, we have the knowledge, but it's how do we put the knowledge into the right platform and how do we get that knowledge in front of our clients and customers?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So how do you work with a client to do that? Walk us through a little bit of how you work with your clients.
0: We are definitely very boutique. So we only work with typically about 10 clients at any given time. It's very different from the typical agency that might have 100 clients and a bigger team. I can give you an example of a client we're working with right now that is is very typical where she teaches people how to write children's books. She has a program around a self served course and also a mastermind and higher ticket things. But she was launching several times a year and was leaving so much on the table, both in terms of revenue, but also just the number of people who she could help. Because when you have a program where you're only opening the doors, maybe a couple of times a year, you really have to take on this big risk of, okay, I'm going to put 20, 30, 40, $50,000 of ad spend into this launch and hope that the sales come out where I need them to be on the other end versus what we're really guiding her through right now is this process of getting an evergreen selling system. In a lot of cases, that's a webinar or a video sales letter. And it's really this process of, okay, let's start with live webinars. Typically our clients will run a live webinar once a week until we get a recording that is converting where we need it to convert. Then we'll flip that evergreen and then really start to scale. We had a client in 2022 that was spending about $20,000 a month driving to traffic into his offers. And last month, I think he spent 600000 on Facebook and Google ads and generated multiple seven figures in sales from that. So it's really the power of being able to sell all day, every day, rather than a couple opportunities each year.
1: And that has to be so fun to look at those analytics and see the growth. It is. I'm definitely a numbers person.
0: I intended on being an accountant. That's what I studied finance and accounting in school. And basically took a dramatic left turn, realized that I was not excited about that path at all. Gave up my job offer like two weeks after I graduated from school and went to go work for a startup instead. And I just got addicted to the excitement of these early stage companies and helping them to grow. And really being able to see such impact from the work that I'm doing, and that's definitely something that's always really motivated me.
1: Good for you for making that shift, for realizing it, and saying, "I put all this time and energy into an accounting, and I can still use that, but I'm going to go do something I'm more passionate about."
0: I think it's important to ask the right questions. I went into business school thinking, "Okay, I want I want to be successful, but what does that even mean?" I had this very kind of stereotypical idea of that meant a corporate career where I was going to make a lot of money. That was basically as far as it went. And I stumbled into this whole world of personal development, my senior year of college. And it was the first time that I ever bothered to ask the question of, is this job actually going to make me happy? And it's so funny to me now looking back that happiness wasn't even part of my equation before that moment. That's true for so many of us. And expanding your mindset to realize that not everything has to be a trade-off. It doesn't have to be make the income you want to make or enjoy your work or enjoy your life, make that income or be able to work less than hundred hours a week. So asking better questions, how can I have all of the things that I want? It just primes your brain to give you an answer and then you can start working towards that.
1: That's so true. And it's also celebrating our successes. When we do what we love and we celebrate it, it makes us want to go out and do more.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You are also the co-founder and CEO of The Gig. Tell us about it. And how did your businesses expand and grow? The Gig is still pretty new. And really, it was born
0: out of this experience that both myself and my co-founder, Jim Hamilton, we each used freelancing as our path into entrepreneurship. For me, I was leaving that startup. I wanted the type of flexibility and autonomy that I had in that job and was so lucky to have. I didn't want to go work somewhere that was going to make me be in an office five days a week. I wanted to control my destiny. And same thing for Jim. He was actually a massage therapist at the time and was making $35,000 a year and his body was breaking down. Like It's a very physical line of work. And so he started freelance copywriting. He'd always loved to write and decided to tries hand at doing that for other people and for businesses. And then same thing for me. I actually hired a coach to hold my hand and teach me from the ground up how to get results for clients using... At the time, it was Facebook ads. So this opportunity for freelancing to be this kind of very accessible entry point into working for yourself or starting a business is something that we're both so passionate about. So The Gig is a daily email newsletter that helps people to both acquire and profit from these high-income online skills like ads, copywriting, graphic design, these types of things.
1: Which we all need. All entrepreneurs today need this as brick and mortar sales become less likely and online sales become our everyday. Yeah. I always
0: say it's like getting paid to get your MBA, right? Because obviously like when you're a Beginner freelancer. Like when I started, I literally, I'd never run a Facebook ad in my life, right? I was looking for clients who were willing to take a bet on me and who were most of them kind of earlier on in in their journey. They couldn't hire an agency that was going to charge them $5,000 a month or more to run their ads. It allowed me to get that hands on experience. And because I had invested in that coach, I had confidence that I could deliver on the promises that I was making. So I think that's important. You have to be able to do the job you're being hired to do. You're able to work for different types of businesses and really get that experience and then continuously raise your rates, get pickier with clients as you do develop that skill set. And yeah, I love that analogy of it really is like getting paid to go get your MBA and really hone your craft.
1: What do you think are the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs come up against as it relates to scaling their business? Hiring. It's certainly the biggest challenge I've had. It's also been the most
0: rewarding thing that I've done, but it is hard. For me, the hardest moment in my business was this period of time where I was the bottleneck to everything. Nothing happened without my involvement. And I really didn't see this path forward how to get out of that. And it it really was this limiting belief I had of, okay, why would anyone who's better than me at paid traffic, at running ads, at marketing, why would they ever want to work for me when they could have their own clients and make more money? And what I didn't realize, we undervalue the things that come easily to us and overvalue the things that are hard for us. And I love being a business owner. I love looking at the finances and I love sales, I love prospecting with new clients. I love managing other people and the team and systems and processes and not everyone does. And so recognizing that there are people out there like whatever it is that is holding you back in your business. For me it was being stuck being the only person who's inside of the accounts and like directing that strategy. What I eventually realized was there are people out there who are so much better at that than I am, who would love to not have to do all of these other things that, that I actually really enjoy that are really more about managing the business. So it was definitely a big unlock for me realizing that.
1: And how good did it feel once you automated and once you got out from underneath? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in that space.
0: For me, it was really about not just hiring the people I thought I could afford, but hiring the absolute best people that I possibly could and then giving them ownership over their roles. I was frankly not very happy inside of the business up until in 2021, I was trying to hire a senior media buyer and I saw this profile come through from my recruiter for this guy who was clearly dramatically overqualified for the role that I was hiring for. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I need him desperately. And so he actually sent me an email about an hour before our interview canceling because he had offers on the table from agencies much bigger than mine. This was a Friday and he was planning on accepting one of those offers on Monday. So I basically emailed him back, convinced him to jump on the phone with me. We talked for several hours. We just hit it off and basically came to, can we find a number that works for him? And I couldn't even come close to matching what these other companies were offering him. I could literally offer him like half of what he had on the table. So I ended up... This was Friday. We scheduled a call for Sunday for me to give him my best offer. I ended up jumping on a a 6am flight to Washington, DC on Sunday morning to basically go have the conversation with him in person and convince him to come work with me. And it was that bold move that ended up convincing him to come in. And really, he basically single-handedly doubled our business in 2022 just through scaling with our existing clients. I tell that story because it really is the power of, so often we just hire the people that are are convenient, that are there, are friend of a friend, or someone who we feel like is within our price range, rather than trying to stretch ourselves to hire the person who can truly transform your business.
1: I love that story and how great you got on a plane. Love that initiative. You just weren't gonna take no.
0: What was so cool about it was, he said to me later that when I told him that I was getting on a plane to come talk to him, that he knew he was going to say yes to me, almost regardless of what number I put in front of him. Often we just need to find the courage to go after what we want. And like you said, just refuse to
1: take no for an answer. (laughs) And we're also human. So you put the human aspect there. You went to speak to him in person. That had to mean so much.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: I know what I look for in a freelancer. So I can't wait to hear this. What are the five high income skills that wealthy business owners look for in a freelancer?
0: When we at the gig talk about high-income online skills, we're talking about skill sets that meet a couple of different criteria. So I'll touch on those first. One is it's something that gives you leverage to earn more. And I'll give you an example here. Say that you're charging $50 an hour to Do design or to run ads or whatever it might be. It's going to take you a certain number of hours to get to $5,000. If you can then charge $5,000 for a single project and get that done in 20 hours, your effective hourly rate has just skyrocketed. So being able to charge on a project basis rather than an hourly basis is really important if you're going to start freelancing. And then really being something that First of all, you can do from anywhere because that's something that's important for a lot of freelancers. And then also something that has proximity to the sale. So, what I mean by that is someone can trace actual revenue customers back to work that you did. So, they read an email that you wrote, they clicked on an ad that you wrote and placed, or they actually spoke to you on the phone before signing up, high ticket closers. So, these are the types of skills we're talking about. And then when you are, In one of these areas, it's incredible how low the bar is, honestly, to set yourself apart. Because so many business owners have had horrible experiences with freelancers who aren't reliable, they don't deliver on time, they totally ghost, don't communicate. And so if you work fast, deliver things on time and on deadline, and are responsive and communicative, you are already ahead of. 80% of the competition out there. I really think that there is so much opportunity out there. If you're just willing to do the simple things to be someone who a business owner can rely on and who can trust to do this work for their business.
1: And you're so right, because I've worked with freelancers that I've loved that did such incredible work, communicated very well. I never had, I always knew they'd follow through. And then I've also had those freelancers where they'd be okay on some days. And then other days I would really need something and it'd be two and a half hours before I heard back.
0: Yeah. So it's true. We talk sometimes about the say, do ratio. And I think even if you're not a freelancer, even if you're just a business owner, having a high say-do ratio is one of the biggest things that you can do to set yourself up for success. What is the ratio of things that you say you're going to do and then things that you actually do? And so much of this is really just about keeping promises to yourself. Even if it's not something you're promising to do for a client, even just if if you're telling yourself, I'm going to post on LinkedIn once a day, or I'm going to submit a proposal or whatever it is, keeping promises to yourself is so much harder than keeping promises to other people for a lot of us. And so if you can really focus on, all right, let's increase my say-do ratio, whether it's just within your own business and your own life, or whether it's working for clients, it's going to make you just really take massive leaps forward in terms of what you can accomplish.
1: And that's good advice for any entrepreneur, no matter what we're doing. Because so often we think, oh, I want to do that. And then Do we really? Maybe we will, but maybe we don't do it as fast as we could. Saying by the end of the week, I'm going to have this done. And that really sets everything into motion. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually having this experience right now because we recently hired
0: a director of operations in Needles Eye Media. And it's the first time that I've had someone holding me accountable (laughs) to the deadlines. Usually I'm setting my own deadlines and no one else is checking on them. So it's so easy for me to say, all right, I'm just going to push this to next week. I think it's so powerful. No matter what your role is, no matter who you are, having that accountability is so important.
1: That's so fun though, because I'm sure it takes some of the operations away from you and you can focus on other growth strategies.
0: Yeah. It's been a major unlock. It's exciting.
1: Being an entrepreneur and growing a business is challenging. What is one obstacle that you've come up against and how did you overcome it?
0: I love that question. My biggest obstacles have really been in finding the right people for the team. It's so important to get in the room. And what I mean by that, I know with your brand, you offer masterminds and events, and it's such a lonely journey being an entrepreneur that getting yourself in the room to be around other people who are chasing big dreams and building businesses and really going after the life that they want it is so powerful because I've had so many moments, I'm sure most of us had, where I'm crying on the floor of my office because I have had something that feels like a massive blow and I'm never gonna recover. And how do I move forward? And what am I gonna do? And we've all had those moments as you persevere through them, you start to build more resilience of realizing, okay. I've been here before. I figured it out then. I'm gonna figure it out now. But getting yourself in the room and surrounding yourself by other people who are chasing these types of goals, it gives you a level of support that I think is so important. And it also helps to really stretch your vision of what's possible. And I think so many of us, we just think too small, right? And we're capable of so much more than we often give ourselves credit for. I think really persevering through those tough moments and surrounding myself with people who can support me through them has been one of the best things I've done for myself.
1: That's so true and such good advice. I spoke on a panel yesterday and we talked about how even celebrating successes empowers us to want to go out and do more. Sometimes we don't do that enough. We work so hard to accomplish something and then we think, okay, that's done. What do I want to do next?
0: I just got a text message yesterday from a friend of mine in the mastermind I'm a part of He had a live event and it was a small event. It was about 10 people in the room and he was selling this ultra high ticket package. And he ended up selling nine out of the 10 people in the room into this program. And he was so excited. It was a six-figure day for him. And it was actually his first six-figure month and six-figure day. And he texted me saying, I want to tell you about this. I want to celebrate Felt weird texting it to the the big group thread with everyone in the mastermind, and we celebrated for a second. But then I told him, "Look, this isn't how it works. You can't just share this with me. You have to go post this because everyone wants to see you win. Everyone wants to celebrate with you, and you are stealing from someone else." the opportunity to be inspired by what you've accomplished and to believe that they can do it too. There's other people in that group that hold events who would love to see that vision of what it could look like to sell 90% of the room. It was such a beautiful moment of just
1: congratulating him and sharing in
0: that success. And so I couldn't believe in that more. Yeah. You're
1: so right. And I love when you said celebrating with him and then saying, if he can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. Magic happens when we focus on the part of our business and ourself that brings us joy. What is one way that you make sure to find and live your joy?
0: I love this question. I know it's such a big focus of what you talk about. And I think that's important because you are a more effective leader and a more effective business person, a better partner. If you have a relationship, if you have a family, you are better all around when you are filling your own cup. And It's so easy when we're chasing big goals and building businesses to give ourselves the leftovers to give everything we have to other people and to our business and to have nothing left over to fill yourself back up. For me, horseback riding is my biggest passion in life. I've been riding my whole life. I live in Chicago, so I go an hour and a half outside the city to go ride each direction. And Usually Wednesdays and Saturdays are my days to go out to the barn. And for a long time, I went through this period where I was constantly canceling that Wednesday. And it was the easiest thing to pull off my calendar when I was having a busy week or I needed to fit in a meeting. And I really had this moment of realizing the damage that I was doing to myself and to my business to take off of the calendar, the biggest thing that is giving me joy. And so now I am diligent about protecting that time and making sure that I can go do that each week. And it does allow me to show up better for my team, to show up better for my clients and to really be so much more productive every other day of the week. I think it's so important.
1: And what a great thing to do to be able to get outside and ground yourself in nature and even being around animals. So different from your daily life.
0: And it's interesting. I actually have reflected recently on why it is that I love horses so much. And the thing that came to me is that when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you have clients, there are so many people expecting things of you and depending on you and wanting you to show up in a certain way. And I think that's what I love so much about animals is they have no expectations. They just want you to be there and be present. Yeah. It's definitely the thing that makes me more effective in my business when I give myself that time.
1: I love that you have been such a joy to talk to today and you've given us such good advice. Can you tell us where we can find you? Absolutely. I admit
0: despite having a social paid traffic agency, I do not post on social hardly at all, but find me on Instagram at Dorothy Holla, H-O-L-A, and on LinkedIn under Dorothy Hollabaugh. I would absolutely love anyone who wants to reach out. I'd love to connect with you and support you in your journey.
1: Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at at helloatshebuiltit.com on our She Built It website or at She Built It on social. Thank you to my editor, Rich Treffolino, who always makes us sound good. Until next time, let nothing stop you from experiencing the life and business that you crave.